Hello all, my name is Chris Hayden and you are listening to the Kindred Spirits Enneagram podcast. I'm the pastor at Kindred UMC as as well as one of the hosts. This week we have Matthew Young, husband to Courtney, the other host of the podcast and all around wonderful guy. Um, So you will, I'm sure, enjoy a a follow-up conversation with him, which is about to ensue. As always, like, share, subscribe. Uh, rate review all that stuff if you'd like to reach out to us or about being a guest or if you have any questions please email kindredumc at gmail.com and uh, we will be happy to get back with you and with no further ado away we go here we are once again with matthew matthew young who has a twisty tie on his beard that's gonna hurt to pull out yeah i disagree he put a twisty tie on his beard for your audio pleasure. <laughs> so last time I craned my neck the whole time so it didn't brush against the mic. And now it's longer than it was then. <laughs> and so I didn't want to do it for another hour. So I got a twisty tie. Oh, So beard. thank you, the bread company. Yeah, beard just touched the mic. So listen for that. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't look you like it. You can put it lower. Um, I'll mute you. Here, I'll mute you, and we'll put it lower. Try it again. He's he's moving it lower. You can do it. You got to put your fuzzball back on. The fuzzball fell off. All right, we're good. How are you now? Uh, good. Can you hear me? I mean, I mean, yeah. But we're in the same room together, so of course I can hear you. Are there like squiggly lines on the? Yeah, there are squiggly lines. I do see squiggly lines from the recording. Good. We love that. We love a good squiggly line. Welcome back for part two. Thanks. So have you had any insights since part... So part one, we left off... On a cliffhanger. It was a a doozy of a cliffhanger. It was. Is Matt a type five or a type nine or any other type ever? I think it would be interesting for you to talk about if you're a nine... If you're a five, what the journey of figuring it out has looked like. Can we commit a fatal sin before we do it? Can we make predictions? I, I mean, feel like you already know. We already know. Do you? Okay, Chris. Go. I, I don't get... Oh, you don't I, know. I don't okay. actually give a fuck, but I do have a prediction. Go What's for your it. prediction? So, so you... Because you guys have been talking, so Courtney yeah, actually... Yeah, I'll let you predict okay. first. My, uh, ever since we talked last time, my strong inclination was you are a type 5. If that, I say it, I'm going to give the answer away because I know the answer. So you should okay. just talk about my, it. My inclination was uh, a type 5. And I can't remember all the details of like social or... Uh, but but it was intimate yeah i like if you go back and listen to the last podcast what i arrived at at the end i was i've stayed pretty like yeah you, it's still adding up to me so where we left off from the last one and I, you should never ever type someone else right except for if you have your own podcast <laughs> i'm allowed to because of i don't know the internet or something yeah um so where we left off last time I was trying it on, as we say, Um, and the thing that you guys kept coming back to, or I kept coming back to that you noticed was that I was scared to be wrong. Mm -hmm. I kept saying, I don't want to be wrong. Uh, And you guys said, well, that sounds more like a five. Um, So I tried it on for a little bit, and I think it was a couple days to a week, and then there was something 
Oh, you had a... I made you listen to Gina Gomez's podcast and Christy Fountain's podcast, right? You suggested I list, listen to them. <laughs> I guess I didn't make you do anything. And I listened to... I very strongly suggested and pushed that he listened you, to You them. almost said, listen, dear, at that statement. <laughs> listen, dear. I, I listened to like 15 you minutes of one. You encouraged me to yeah. give it a listen. <laughs> And I, of my own free volition, did decided that it was worth my time. Um, I listened to like 15 minutes and then I stopped. For those who forget, Matthew and Courtney are married. Yes. Um, it very well may have been you who distracted me from listening to it. That sounds and plausible. I also forget a lot, so then I just forgot. We and... were leaving for vacation that day. We were going to Tampa. Okay, yeah. So I... Yeah, I do to drive I is didn't. a great time to listen to um, no. podcasts. He got to listen to me talk about Are You a Nine or Are You a Five yeah, for two whole hours. That also adds up. Yeah. <laughs> Why listen to somebody talk about it when you can be talked at about it? <laughs> um, so, anyways, it, I wasn't even going that route. I forgot that oh. you told me to listen to those. No, you, you had a conversation with your mom and sister, and you were. Oh, yes. You felt you were defending yourself from your sister. I felt you were picking on her. And... And I got mad at you. That's yeah, right. Yeah, we got in like a little fight over it. And... Because... All of that... Listen, was, whoa, 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 whoa. Why did we get in a I, fight over it? If I have to edit any of this out, I swear to God, I'm going to be mad at both <laughs> of you. No, he, he won't. This is fine. Why did you get... Why did, why did we get in a fight over it? Because I wasn't a part of the conversation? No. It, we got know. in a fight over it. Because hold on, hold on. I don't even know. I just I love the because I wasn't part of the conversation. Yeah, we got in a fight over it because I was on the phone walking around the house on speakerphone talking to my mom and sister. Yeah, is that so that somebody else could witness the? No, it's just because I talk on FaceTime or speakerphone usually. All all of her phone conversations, public or private, (laughs) or sorry, in public or in private, she's it's like the. was the, you learned that from reality shows. Kristen you literally... You learned it from, like, the housewives of whatever. Kristen called me today, and I was at the gym, and instead of going to get my phone, I answered it from my watch, and I'm, like, doing high knees, and I'm yelling at her over speakerphone. Well, <laughs> other people are... Kristen! Can you hear me? You are, a, you are a terrible person. Like, you know... <laughs> you know the commercial? I think it's, like, progressive or something, where it's, like, don't be like your parents or whatever, uh-huh. and it's the group walking through the, the store... And the lady's like on her speakerphone, and it's like, don't be. I don't do it in stores. Yes, you do. No, you do it in the gym. Yeah, in close (laughs) proximity. Yeah, because the gym is so different. It was on my watch. And apparently, you also do it in stores. Anyway, (laughs) this is not what we were talking about. What we were talking about was. I was talking be there. to my Later. mom and sister. Hold the phone to your head. How think, hard is it? I think it actually was on FaceTime. I don't think it was just a phone call. Okay. I think we were on FaceTime. On Matt felt like I was picking on my sister. Our family dynamic is to mess with each other. The reason the fight started was because you were... The fight between you and Matt. The fight between Matt Not and Not you I. and your sister. No, we weren't fighting. That was the other part of it. But anyway... We'll see. The reason that happened was because you were gesturing at me and snapping at me from the kitchen, yeah, trying to, to tell me to stop. It. Regardless, the point of this isn't that fight that we had. The point <laughs> was me being not even a part of it, but just sitting there, standing there doing whatever, listening, felt like conflict to me. And it made me very uncomfortable, even though I had no part in it. Ultimately, it didn't matter because as soon as you guys hung up, you'd forget about it and move on with your day. But for me, I, I was like, this is conflict. I don't like it. 
I'm not even a part of it, but I, I am a part of it. Um, so after that, <clears throat> after we were, we reconciled, then we talked about like, why did that make me so uncomfortable? Um, and that was kind of the end for a while of me thinking I was a five. We both walked away saying like, nah, you're a nine. Like there's not really a, you were right or you were I, wrong. I you remember a, a middling point at some point where yes. I checked in about this. And I th and one it, of you were like, yeah, we no, we decided you're a nine. Yeah, it was yeah. right before disciple group final evals. Was that what it was? Yeah, because yeah. this happened right before like, that. I remember having the feeling of, we'll see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking about this podcast, the part two being like, well, that's going to make it very underwhelming to come back and be like, no, it's all figured <laughs> out. Like, um, so anyways, discipleship group, final evals, going into it, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm Okay, a nine. just for those yeah. of, because... We have people who may not be entirely familiar with the concept of disciple uh, groups. Yes. Shameless plug. So, yeah, one, disciple groups, you should definitely do them. Uh, email kindredumc at gmail.com. If you are interested, we'll tell you all about them, and you should do them. But basically, they are um, they're an intense 12-week program where about five that's what we've settled on five people seem to work really well five people and one supervisor uh, commit to being with each other um, in a very specific open emotionally honest way every week there's some kind of an exercise and everyone is expected to share and also empathetically be present with mm -hmm. their peers in a way that we hope unearths things and provides open safe space so that we can kind of get at things that you you just normally wouldn't be able to get at in your normal day to day um, and it's not exactly therapy although there's some overlaps but it's it's more about unpacking kind of some of the wounds that we unconsciously keep between us and god and us and other people that's my as quickly as i can get down to it so, so they're very intense, very emotionally honest, and then we end that with a final eval where we retreat for a day and everyone kind of gives feedback about their whole experience. And it's like a whole day long process. Yeah, it's like an eight hour yeah, it's, thing. Yeah. And it's intense, but it's also fun and loving. Like usually by, I mean, we haven't done it yet where there hasn't been a group that's been pretty solidly bonded together mm -hmm. and like love, loving each other and like excited to do it together. Right. So, the day of final evals for us, I was, I think I was last, right? Yes, you were yes. last. Yes, yeah, and I did it on purpose, too. Yeah, <laughs> so I'd be exhausted. And... I chose you last on purpose because, genuinely because uh, you were the, one, you were the outlier in that group because sure. the group had been through a unit bef together before you. Right. And then, two, also because, um, because of your natural giftedness at... It makes sense to me that you are vacillating between nine and five because nine piece you have a natural kind of like when you start talking people in the room go oh what was I so upset about fair that's a that's, that's a trait of nines that is why I put you last because right. you do that I, because there's the, always the potential that somebody could bring up some shit that could be problematic fair <laughs> well so, I don't even remember what it was, and I don't even, I don't even think that's relevant, 
But in my final eval and kind of unpacking some of my stuff, it once again kept coming up of like, I don't want to be wrong. Can't be wrong. It wasn't the conflict. It was, it was am I wrong? Um, and it was sort of at that point that I reevaluated um, and was like, well, let me try on being a five again. Um, and just since then, I mean, you can speak to any instances you remember, but like since then I've kind of just sat in what it's like to be a five. Um, and at this moment, so, I because we haven't, I, don't, I think we've been using a lot of numbers and we haven't yes. talked about, so nine is the peacemaker, mm-hmm. five is the investigator. Yes. Yep. So nine's core motivation is to be at peace and their core fear is of um, loss of connection and separation because they're not willing to be present in conflict or just in general. Five is um, core motivation of being competent and um, knowing the why behind everything and their fear is of being incapable or incompetent. Um, So you were saying as it stands right now. I believe that I am a five. I'm comfortable in in sort of landing there until something otherwise suggests. And it's not that I'm changing, but sort of that like learning more about myself and trying on different hats and seeing which one fits better. Um, along that process, Courtney and I talked a lot about the, not as much the wing, but the intimate or sexual subtype of a five being, and correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, being a countertype and looking more like the personality of a nine. Yeah, an intimate five is a countertype. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Enneagram language, um, what Matt's referring to is our instinctual variance. So everyone has three relationships in their life. Um, here we refer to them as your relationship with yourself, your relationship with um, your tribe, like your, your social network, or your relationship with your partner or closest friends. Um, so every number is a, it also has as another factor right. these three kind of tendencies. Yes, and this is where personality does come into play and is also often a lot of the reason that people mistype. Um, in your case, for example, your subtypes can also change. So maybe you know when you were not really getting into the middle of your stuff, you were more of a self-preservation variant. I think in your growing where we've kind of landed is you're more of a intimate sexual Five, which I'd like you to talk more about that. But just to explain countertype and what that means, um, basically one out of, so like for fives, you have your self-pres fives, your sexual fives, your social fives. One of those is going to be a countertype, meaning that you have the motivation of a type five, but you might not look like a typical type five. You might look more like a different number. The sexual intimate five often does not look like a five because they are a counter type. They often look like a four or a nine. Interesting. Yes. <clears throat> mm. um, Interesting. Where do I go from there? Wherever you want. Well, so can, can just since there's a natural pause here, so I want to talk about. So, uh, f- from because my I can only really. Exp- experience what I'm experiencing. So let me speak from my own experience. 
I think there's a there's something wrong with Enneagram in the way that it is it is typically understood. In that I am a four and I am an eight and I am a one. Like I, I really truly really truly if you actually look at what motivates me I from a four standpoint like I, I desperately want to be sincerely and honestly myself and express that in an honest sincere way from an eight standpoint if somebody is being unfair, if somebody cuts in line, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, if somebody does something to humiliate someone else, I will bow up so quickly and bring every skill I have to bear to shame the person who's harming someone. Like, like very quickly, I will bow up and be like, uh, uh, for example, <laughs> I got an email this week that was very challenging and it took all of all of my pastoral training not to completely out talk them and embarrass them in my response to their email by proving how stupid they are and how smart I am. And, and you know, these are exaggerations, but like one of the gifts that I had, like my both of my parents were teachers. My mom was an English teacher. Like I have a very, I was in theater. Like my background is in standing up and talking to people. I have a very skilled vocabulary. Like I can just kind of take people apart with words um, and intimidate the fuck out of them. Like, and like if somebody starts to be unfair, that's the first weapon I pull. Like, I start to embarrass them and pull, like, mm -hmm. you're not smart enough to even fucking talk to me. Right. Now, and, like, and I don't, uh, I, it sounds like I'm bragging, and, and I'm fucked up. I am a little bit bragging. I, like, I don't mean it to be a braggart thing. That's something I need to work on. Like, it, it gets out of control. It becomes a real problem for me. Um, and also, I love it. But I think that's part of the eight in me. And the one, like... The idea that we give up so soon and don't pay attention to how how what we're doing actually affects what we're aiming at absolutely makes me weep. Like, no kidding, no exaggeration. When I think about the church and when I think about even broader concepts like where we're going as a country, like things like... like um, the idea that we settle for so little and we are so not paying attention to how effective we're like that it makes me weep like i genuinely have a like an emotional reaction that brings me to tears so like i think there's something fundamentally flawed going on with the enneagram that tries to pigeonhole people. Like, I am very actively often all three of those. And and no one has ever been able to really pin me down. And no, and I haven't been able to really pin me down either. And, and not for lack of trying. Like, I, I feel like I'm really coming at it as honestly as I can. I've done the reading. <laughs> I've done the research. And I keep on arriving at like, Nope, I'm all three. I like 
so now what? You know? And so I think there's something going on where it's like, yeah, so yeah, you're a type nine and you're a type five and, and, and you may be a type two. Like, you know, like... I can tell you something that's going to make it even more confusing for you. Okay. But it might, it might help a little bit. Um, so, basically... I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to um, coin my title as the bad boy of the Enneagram. Okay, so a couple, I'm the Enneagram guy who, who doesn't get along with the Enneagram. One, I still think you're a counter type one, but that's my opinion. Um, that looks like a four or an eight takes on personality, but two, can you tell me why? Yeah. Um, because let's look at the core fear and core motivation. Um, I don't mean to seriously make a note of what you were about to say. I don't mean to derail what you were about yeah. to say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think that there's, so the core motivation of a type one is, you know, along the lines of what you were talking about, like achieving the good the perfection the whatever that doesn't necessarily mean you're a perfectionist but it's of being yeah, the I'm most not, good I don't, I don't need things to be perfect right. but like why the fuck are we stopping before we get to perfect whereas the core fear of a one um is of being the villain or of being the bad guy that that is definitely a core fear of mine and that ha that that comes up for me often right so I would say on a motivation basis, and remember when we talk about the Enneagram, we're talking about it from a motivation first perspective. From a motivation basis, I think those two line up the closest to what you actually are. Okay. When you take personality into um, effect, I would challenge you to look at your instinctual variants because the reason that type one doesn't 100% necessarily fit, four doesn't necessarily fit, eight doesn't necessarily fit, might be, I think you probably likely are a sexual countertype um, or sexual instinct, which is a countertype and often does not look like a typical type one. It often personality wise only looks like a type four or a type eight. So you think I'm a sexual one? Yes, I think, I think you are a sexual one. I think your core motivation is, you know, doing the most good that we can. I abs from the many conversations you and I have had. Yeah. I would say of everything I've ever heard you say fear-wise, the biggest thing I hear and most often thing I hear come up from you is being the villain, being the bad guy. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a hard yes. And like the, villain, the villain bad guy thing is a hard yes. I think that it absolutely makes sense that you would be a counter type that takes on those personality traits of a four or an eight and vacillates personality wise between I would say those things. Even, I, like that's a thing that even before you and I knew each other, when I was in CPE at Tampa General Hospital, that that I remember when I first became aware of it because my supervisor was challenging me in what we call individuals. It was one on one, mm -hmm. and she was basically challenging me on like why didn't you speak up in the group in that way? Right. Like I was sharing something, and she was like, "Why didn't you say that?" And and like that was the first time that I ever think I gave words to because I don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah, and I think, you know, the sexual, the, the thing that makes sexual ones a little different compared to like your typical one, and I'm going to come back to you because you tie into this too. You being Matt. 
because nobody can the see thing, what you're pointing. The <laughs> thing that makes sexual ones different is that rather than their inner critic being as focused inward and on reforming themselves, it's more focused on outward. I definitely have that. Reforming others, making people better. And I'm not using the word reforming in a negative way. I'm using it in this desire that you, can we please just like your desires with the church? Can like, we please like just Why be are better? we still preaching? Right. Why are we still doing it this way? Right. And you have. But we could do better. Like even we just had uh, what's called annual conference. Mm -hmm. um, and we had to do it online because we're still not quite out of COVID. Um, but they have little worship moments in between and like the worship moments were all except for one song old hymns yep and and it, and it was like this isn't working hey i'm all for having like one or two hymns why are they but all? if you have six opportunities for music why the fuck right. <laughs> like what are we doing here like why are we and it's because we're placating the old people who, for the most part, are, are financially responsible, but in placating the old people and not attracting young people, not that new music's gonna attract them. It's more like this is indicative of a symptom. Like, not that if we had new music, all of a sudden the young people are gonna come. Like, it's not Sister Act. It's not gonna work that way, you know? But it is this indicative thing of like, all the things we do are like, I can feel it. Like, what are we doing here? We are not actually trying to achieve the goals that we set out for ourselves. Yeah. And the other reason that I would say you're a one, like, and again, I'm not typing you. This is no, no, your I'm, journey. Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm open. The reason that I would this say is that, helpful. try this on, see if it fits. I've noticed that you have a very strong inner critic. And again, I don't think it's inward focus so much as it is outward focus. Like, how do we be better? How do we? I definitely feel that. Ones are the only number on the Enneagram that have that. Like an outer critic? Yeah. And, and it, it's called the inner critic. You, again, yours, as a countertype, yours is more focused on outward reform rather than inward reform. And that's why, you know, you identify and embody a lot of the personality Although traits of I, four. Just, I'm, so CPE, which is a very inner focused critical mm -hmm. experience, Everyone who goes through CPE hates it. I was like one of the only people who was like, I dig this. And that would make sense if you have an inner critic and CPE is literally teaching you to use that in a way that's productive and, and helpful. Yeah, and it's like voices from the outside are actually coming inside to try and right. make you aware of things that you're not aware of. And that's what makes everyone else who does it wildly uncomfortable. Yes. And I was like, I dig it. Type ones are the only number on the Enneagram's wheelhouse that have that inner voice. Okay, so now I'm a type one. I would say so. <laughs> and I would say that the reason it gets confusing for you, similarly to why it got confusing for Matt, is because you're a counter type. I think, you know, because we kind of just took a guess at your instinct, but also those change. So maybe there was a point in your life where you were a self-preservation variant. I'm almost 99% positive that before you started really doing Matt. Matt, that before you started doing a lot of inner work on yourself, that you were a self-preservation variant. Mm -hmm. um, and that can often cause you to, that for fives, that often just leads to more privacy, more 
but I'll, I'll let, we've talked well, a lot. I'd like to pose yeah, that as a question. Yeah, let's go back to that, the, your journey from, if you agree with it, from self-prez to more sexual. Sexual. Um, I would almost say it's, First of all, do you agree with that? Do you identify with I it? I would almost say it's the opposite to where I, I feel like I'm heading in a more self-prez direction intentionally because I'm embracing the, the five's need for a, a personal time. Not saying like I'm trying to be a five, so I'm doing these things, but saying, all right, well, five's- Can I ask a follow-up question? Yes. Is that, so, okay, so something about type fives is Hold that- Hold on, before you ask the question, just let me say, I have also, I've noticed that in you. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, I have observed you because you've been in two discipleship groups now with with us. Well, mm -hmm. I, two, three? Three. 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 Um, and I have, I've noticed you being intentional about, no, I'm going to speak for myself. No, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm where, where I, and it seemed like it was um, not necessarily difficult for you. That's not the right word, but like, it felt like it wasn't something that was coming naturally to you, but it was something that you were being like, this is important that I do this, so let me do this. Yeah. So like I think I've noticed that in you several times. Sort of taking up my own flag to say, all right, I need to do this for myself. Same with, you know, sometimes we'll go downtown and we'll like come here and pregame and I'll say, all right, I'll meet you guys at Chris's, I'll pregame, and then I'm going home. And then I'm out. Like, yeah. I don't want to go downtown. Whereas I feel like, Previously, we, we I just was... had a moment like that the other night when we were out with some friends and uh, it was getting about time and my wife and I were like, we're going home now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? No. We're like, okay, have fun waiting two hours for a fucking yeah, lift. I'm gonna go. right. and, we, and we left and we peaced out and we came mm -hmm. home, we went to bed, we were cozy. And, like, and then we found out the next day, Everyone else had to wait like forever for rides and, of course they did. and they all got split up and somebody texted me about, hey, did you hear from somebody? We don't know if they got home. Oh, okay, we got, I was like, Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> like, <laughs> the question that I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. was, cause like, yes, I have also noticed you becoming more like comfortable in speaking for yourself. You were talking about my first question is a clarifying question. You were talking about your time, right? Like you're trying, yeah. okay. Yeah. Would you say that is you actively like switching from leaning and like having your most sacred relationships be your intimate connections and that shifting? Or would you say that that's embracing and beginning to understand that privacy isn't just like a thing that like privacy and personal time isn't just a thing that you like, but a thing that you need. Probably the latter. Then I would still argue that you're a sexual subtype. Okay. I don't know that I would say I was self-prez before though. Okay. Um, because. Well, uh, can I clarify as well? What I meant by, by you, me saying that you were self-prez before, I meant, I think you thought you were self-prez as a type nine. Sure. Because. Yeah because I needed time for myself. But you didn't realize that that was something that you needed. You associated that with something that you wanted. I would say that's fair, yeah. So I, I've always needed my own space. I'm an introvert, but 
I would also put that on the back burner for the sake of, hey, so-and-so wants to hang out. Um, and I think it's important for me to spend that time with them and build that relationship. Um, you know, I, I can turn it on that when I need to and talk sexual. to people in a room. That yeah. sounds intimate. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can be social, but it's, it's not my go-to. Um, but yeah, those, those one-on-one -on -one relationships, if somebody wants to hang out with me, <clears throat> I, even when I think about like, cause we, you know, we have like at least monthly gatherings mm -hmm. where we have a bunch of people together. Right. Um, and even as I, as I'm remembering your interactions there, you seem to like pair off. Yeah, yes. for sure. Which, yeah. which again is uh, like, that's very much what intimate sexual subtype does. Yeah, and also it's been, I mean, being your wife, it's been a learning curve for me too. Like we went from thinking you just liked having your own alone time to no privacy and your own space is very, very, very important to mm -hmm. you. And I, I, as an aside, I wanna say I appreciate that. I've noticed you putting in a big effort to, to give me time like after this, we're going oh, home and you're like, growing. yeah, you're like, <laughs> you can have your alone time. You can play Monster Hunter, like, you know, go do that. And one, that means a lot. And two, it, it helps me both in that now I have that time and I don't have to feel like I'm turning you down of like, oh, I don't want to hang out with you. I want to go play games. Um, but also it conserves my energy for setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. I don't have to use it setting a boundary with you. I can save it for when I do need to set a boundary somewhere else. Like, hey, we're all going out. Ah, uh, thanks. I don't. I'm gonna. Yeah, man. Home. That's like a. That's maybe one of the most difficult lessons to learn. I so when uh, come, going from childhood to adulthood. I don't know if this is universal. I'll, I'll just talk about my experience. One of one of the biggest things, but for me, from going to like, not just childhood, but like you know, young 20s, like, like a kid, you know, some of you would call a kid. Going from a kid to a grown-up, one of the biggest lessons was learning for me what was expensive and what was cheap. Mm -hmm. Sure. In, yeah. in, in behaviors and like boundaries and that kind of thing. So like for me, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty naturally extroverted person and so I learned that it was, it's actually pretty inexpensive for me to be in a group of people. Even if I'm feeling tired, I know that once I'm with my friends, I, I, I will easily rally and it, it's just not expensive for me. Um, and there are a lot of people who are the exact opposite. Um, but then also like learning that there are specific kind of one-on-one -on -one type interactions that are very expensive for me. Mm -hmm. And as a pastor, especially like because mm -hmm. pa pastoral counseling is a big deal for in, in my job description and knowing that like, hey, man, I cannot schedule like three pastoral counseling sessions back to back. Like right. I just can't. I will by the third one that I will be doing a disservice to the person who is third. Like it won't work. Right. And like uh, any any type of meeting where there's a potential, even like a strategic meeting where there's like a potential and again, this goes to the like being perceived as the villain. Mm -hmm. a, a, a strategic meeting where I'm aware that there's a potential where I could be at odds with the people in the room. Like I have to clear that whole 
Like that is very expensive for me. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the idea of like preaching and on Sunday morning, like certainly I get tired and, and like that kind of, but like, but I love it. And I know, I know that I can just show up and do it because mm -hmm. I love it, you know? Right. So like that was one of the big lessons for me as going from like a kid to a grown up is setting the types of boundaries that you were just talking about. Right. And I, for me, that's come a lot with getting better at listening to myself. Like yeah. we were hanging out with friends this weekend. Like, want what you want is the thing I always say. Want mm -hmm. what you want. We were hanging out with friends this weekend and I, we were having a great time. Um, and it was, you know, we were getting into some like good deep conversation, but there's a distinct moment when I noticed and I said, my social energy is spent and I'm ready to go home. Yeah. But I think being like seeing the good that was happening and being the, the intimate subtype was like, no, this is what is happening here. This conversation, like this bonding between all of us is very important. I can, I could sort of rally and, you know, muster a bit more energy to keep hanging out. Um, but whereas before, like I wouldn't notice that at all, I would get quiet and like pull out my phone or mm -hmm. become more reserved or a little bit more irritated. But in that I could say, all right, my social energy spent, I need to be a little more aware of myself so that I don't become snippy or just pull yeah. back. Francisca and I, my wife Francisca and I uh, check in with each other a lot on mm -hmm. like, cause I occasionally I will feel that happen and I'll, and I literally check in with her and be, and we say like, Hey, I could go home right now. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're having a good time and you tell me I can rally. Yeah. Like, like, do you need me to rally? Or are yeah. you like, nah, I could go home now too. Like, or even if you aren't like, I want to go home now, if you're just in a place of like, yeah, it's not worth it to like tell you to rally. Like we had this little, just these little cues, even, even sometimes when we're not out, when we're talking about like whether or not we want to go dancing or something and like she'll get home from work and I, you know, I'm working from home these days. So like she'll get home from work and I'm kind of feeling lazy and we talked about going out dancing and I'll be like, Hey, do you still want to go out dancing? Cause I can go, but I need you to lead it. Sure. Like I need you, if you are like, yeah, we're going out dancing, then I can rally and get behind you. But if you're also like, Oh, I don't know. Then like we're staying home tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to watch, I don't know, MasterChef or something. <laughs> yeah. I I think through the work that we've done here through discipleship groups, through just Monday nights, through just conversations between, you know, between you, Chris, and myself and then Courtney and I are just about boundary setting and stuff like that. All of that has has helped me grow in that sense of, yes, I don't, I don't like conflict. I think it roots in, I don't want to be wrong or perceived as wrong. And to me being rejected feels wrong. And so like setting that boundary becomes hard when people like, Oh no, come hang out or oh, do this. And so, you know, realizing both what I need and also I have the capacity to say no. And if there is any peer pressure, like, eh, so be it. I think another big, this is shifting subjects a little bit, but I sure. think another big key component that in our conversations kind of made the shift from me for you from nine to five 
was the idea of what can I do sorry you don't like conflict and I'm, I'm saying this as a statement but I'm posing it as a launching point for you to talk off of mm -hmm. you don't like conflict Right. But you will absolutely enter into conflict. I don't know if, if the sound came through, but when you just banged your... This, I could hear your knuckles from over here. They're getting stronger. I don't know if it came nails. through the... Yeah. My knuckles. Yeah. Like, Everybody, yeah. <laughs> you at home, the listener. <laughs> it sounded like wood. Yeah. Yours do too. Well, he did that fighters. Yeah. We're, we're both fighters. You don't, you don't <laughs> like fighter. conflict. But you will enter into conflict if you think you can come out of that conflict getting your point across, being right, not looking like the idiot. Yeah. Yeah, if I think factually I can back myself up and I can, like I can't fake it till I make it in an argument. Um, I don't think that quickly. I don't remember that well to like, like you remember really well and you can fake it till you make it. Um, You're right. I absolutely can't. If I can make it till I make it, but I do not remember that yeah, well. No, I, I. That's can't, why you both need Courtney. I can't do either. <laughs> so in, if like I'm not going to start an argument if I don't think that I'm either right or like have enough backing me up to like we're in a gray area and I cannot be. I can keep from being wrong, um, but most of the time, it's not that case. And I'm, I will avoid conflict because there's likely something I'm missing or forgetting that will get brought up and like sweep the legs out from under me or my argument. And it's not that you don't like the conflict so much. I don't like the conflict. Well, but that's, that's not what you're scared of. I yeah. think that's very interesting because. So uh, I'm, I'm just comparing my I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm kind of comparing my own experiences of that. Um, I, I actually have a bad memory. Like I'm, I just have always had a bad memory. Mm -hmm. I'm good at remembering very hyper specific things. Like if I see numbers, I remember numbers really well. Okay. Um, and I remember feelings and essences of things really well. But if you ask me to re like, to recall what somebody said or the details of the topic or anything, like I'm out, I got, I got nothing. Like, um, like I will often watch t a TV show and it'll be like, did we watch this episode? And be like, I have no idea. If I read the description, I'll be like, I have no idea. Until I see the scene and I go, like, I, I've seen this. I know yeah, this. Uh, yeah. This is very familiar to me. I've seen yep. this. Um, but still, even still, I won't be able to really tell you what the plot line was. But if I pick up the next episode, I will understand the plot line because it is in there somewhere. Sure. You know? So anyway, all that to say... Um, I, I think I adapted uh, like a, a mechanism inside of me that goes the opposite direction of you. Where I enter into, especially where I'm in disagreement, I enter into conversations very okay with, maybe I'm wrong. Prove, prove to me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll change mm -hmm. my mind. I'll change my mind right now. Um, but you got to prove, like, prove to me you're, that I'm wrong. You know, prove, prove your point to me. Um, and I... And, I, of course, I don't think anybody else works that way. <laughs> like nobody works that way. I think that, that has way. something to do with that critic we were talking about yeah. earlier. Um, and it often causes like conflicts. And and I find myself in similar places where I'm. You were talking about like you will enter into it if you're sure that you're right. 
I often find that I'm sure that I'm right, but I think what people are very uh, uncomfortable with, I guess, with me is that I'm also as as sure as I am that I'm right. It's because I've walked around with this like prove to me that I'm wrong. I've right. I've looked up whether or not I'm wrong. Like I've tr- I've wondered whether or not I'm wrong. I'm trying to find out whether or not sure. I'm wrong. I want to be. I, there's several topics where I want to be wrong about that. I would love to find like so prove it to me. And then we get into these. I I we me and other people get into these arguments where I'm going like that's you what you're saying is objectively wrong because of this and this and this and they're going and what they i don't think they have the ability to say is like hey man i'm not really equipped to be in this conversation like i need if we really want to have this conversation i need to go do some research like Mm -hmm. you've obviously been reading about this and i don't necessarily agree with you but i'm not convinced you're right either (laughs) like right and and they're not saying that what they're saying is no, the, like they're like kind of like we because we're just kind of a polarized culture right now, and we yeah. like are at odds with each other right now. Um, so again, like that's I, that, I think that's part of me that I'm going like I, I that's where I find myself as an eight. See, I I'm like I want to challenge people into the no. Tell me, like if you can't tell me that I'm wrong, and like demonstrate that I'm wrong, but I can demonstrate that I'm right. Why aren't you changing your mind? <laughs> like that, I, like I find myself in that place all the time. See how if I if I start to either think I'm wrong or that I'm going to lose the argument, um, I'll enter into the fail state of, yeah, okay, yeah, you know what? Maybe I am wrong, and I'll enter in that to that myself because now I've chosen that I'm the one who's wrong. And I'm trying to end it so that it doesn't get dragged out to show that I'm wrong. We can just, I chose that you I'm wrong. You don't want to be proven wrong. Right. So you want to end it before it gets proven. I'll say, ah, you're right. I'm wrong. Let's go. Let, let's walk away. Yeah. As opposed to dragging it out and me, have, me having to sit there being And that way you don't, wrong. you don't have yeah. to be like, Or oh. you'll get passive aggressive and snippy. Sure. Speaking <laughs> <Yeah>. of snippy. <laughs> No, I'm not. I wasn't trying to call you out. I've just seen situations where you like get frustrated and. Yeah, I feel like that's before. That only happens before we're actually in okay. an argument. This is like we're we're in the middle of an argument, and when I realize this isn't going my way, I'm going to be wrong. I'll enter yeah, my fail you're state not, of. You're not passive right, aggressive in it. the actual physical no, argument. At that'll all. get us into the argument Do because you... I will get. How do you feel about apologizing? Uh, that's part of my fail state. Like, I'll apologize and and that's part of my exit strategy of, I'm How wrong, do you I'm feel sorry. about it? Do you, is it just like, eh, whatever? Or is it, do you, do you feel embarrassed by it? Do you feel hmm. like that's a good righteous about it? Yeah. Like, how do you feel about apologizing? I feel that it holds weight and when I apologize, I don't even know if this is going to make sense. I'm working it out as I say it. Mm -hmm. Um, When I apologize, it, because I think it holds weight, I also think I should be 
respected in that I'm giving up and backing away. Um, it's sort of with what I was saying, I don't want to then continue to be told why I'm wrong or like when I apologize. When you apologize, do you genuinely think you're wrong or is it a strategy to end the engagement? No, it's a, I genuinely like because it's followed by a sort of a guilt response. Like I then go into sort of a, a shameful yeah. mood, which if I might use our sure. own arguments, I'm not go using ahead. a specific one because I don't remember things. Um, but then you'll be like, what's wrong? Like, why are you, are you mad? Why are you mad? What's, and I'm like, well, yeah, Which is a we just two. had, <laughs> we just had a fight. I was wrong. I am now feeling shame and guilt. I'm not just going to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And then put my smile back on and be happy. It's like, no, I'm going to be this way for a little while because I entered into an argument was wrong. Is it, it's, and now I'm, feeling the shame of that can i try can i offer as a try on like it feels like that's a grief response mm -hmm. it feels like you've lost mm. something yeah like you like i need some time to grieve this now yeah interesting like i've put i've brought this on both of us now it's not just that i lost a fight but that that negative experience we had is now my fault because i like I'm the one, maybe I didn't start it, but I'm the one who willingly entered into that even though I was wrong, even if I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of a, now this fight's my fault. Yeah, yeah. that so, sounds very five-ish to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost a three-stage. I admit I'm wrong, trying to exit out. If that doesn't work, then I apologize. Uh, meaning full well, like, I am apologizing. I'm sorry that I've brought us into this. I'm sorry that I was wrong, all of that. And then I start to shut down and go into a grief response. So, okay, so here's what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. You're very afraid of being wrong and yep. the repercussions of being wrong. Yep. I'm very afraid of being the bad guy or the villain. I, as I think about being wrong, have nearly no emotional connection to that like like i'm i'm like yeah let me i mean not morally wrong but like just informationally wrong right you know like oh i've got oh i have the facts wrong i oh mm -hmm. shit i like i was confusing those two people like i like i remember talking i was having a debate with somebody about louis ck mm -hmm. and uh like his recent sexual accusations sure and and I had heard somewhere, and I was I was wrong. Like I was just factually wrong, that that it happened at a like a party, because mm -hmm. the the idea the, the accusations are that he revealed himself and then masturbated in front of people, with consent. And I, my understanding was that that happened at a party, and that was my art. I was talking to the people about like hold on, like I'm not saying this is okay, but I'm not. I, this is not Bill Cosby, right? You know that was kind of my argument here. And uh, and then after that, the next day I was like, you know, I really can't remember where I heard that. Let me look it up. And it wasn't that. Hmm. Like, it wasn't the case at all. Mm -hmm. This was he invited two 
women back to his apartment and, or mm-hmm. back to his hotel room or whatever. So, so the circumstances were different. Right. Without commenting on, you know, sure. I don't want to get into the, all that stuff. But like, for me, learning that was wrong was actually like, learning that I was wrong was a positive experience for me. Okay. I was like, oh, now I know better. Now I know better about how to engage this topic. Um, it feels like that's the exact opposite for you. Yeah. To be wrong, there is an emotional response. I mean, it depends on the context. Like, I don't know. Um, if it's something relatively surface level, like, I like whiskey. If I'm talking to somebody about whiskey and I get the distillery that a certain brand is made at wrong and they're like, oh no, is this one this it, because of this? And it's like, ah, okay, yeah, you're, you're right. But if it's a more drawn out thing, even if it still is just a factual thing and not I mean, like an argument, um, I am still emotionally invested in what I know and it's a representation of me and it's it's not just uh ah, i was wrong now i know more it's like it's all tied into an emotional response of who i am and like, it sounds like shame is the overwhelming yeah there's still shame in being wrong in that, that sounds like the so like i i had mentioned earlier that a sexual five often personality and i'm working through this as i say it i'm asked i'm saying in a statement i mean it as a question but often looks like a four or a five or a four or a nine and what you just said kind of reminds me a lot of four like me being wrong isn't just like me being factually wrong like it's a it's a part of like what i know is a part of who i am like it Mm -hmm. means something to me it has meaning it makes me special like right because even if i'm driving and this is going to bring into my drive here um I see you making faces. I'm not commenting on your driving. Um, if I'm driving and I see somebody do something dumb, I generally have space for it so long as it's kind of in a gray area of like, uh, like I can't believe you did that, but also like I've done stuff. Like not I'm not going to be mad at you because I've likely done something similar or the same. <laughs> on my way here, somebody cut across four lanes of traffic without the time to do it before I was going to hit them, um, cut across four lanes so that they could get into a left turn lane going the wrong way. Like they went in the wrong side of a left turn lane so that they get out and then left themselves hanging out into my lane. And like that was, you're wrong on a variety of levels. This is just selfish bullshit. Right. I can objectively be mad at you. But if it's a subjective like i've never done anything that egregious while driving but if it's a wow well, you well you know, it's the difference between you and me driving right you'll get mad at something you just did a hundred feet ago <laughs> yeah but my okay. version of getting mad is like i yell and then i'm not mad about it anymore oh mine is too so i want to go because we're we're getting a little too far away from sure. the thing i wanted to follow up with uh-huh. so we talked about uh the like how I feel about being wrong, how you feel about being wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you have any emotional attachment at all to the idea of being the bad guy or the villain? Because it's kind of like the inverse of us. 
Yeah. Um, Have it, you ever felt like the the right that you were stating was unpopular in the room and and everyone didn't like you for it? Have you ever had that experience? I'm trying to remember a time I can't, but that that doesn't feel bad to me. Like, it's, uh, yeah, so I think that's very interesting. A, if I'm right, I'm okay being disliked for it. I, I have like an identity filled with memories of, to me, speaking what I think is really true mm-hmm. and being perceived as the villain in the room for it and feeling shitty about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, I, I won't be happy about it. Like, I'll still feel bad, the, but that, I won't have a deep, it'll just be it like... It won't, like, keep you up at night? No. It'll be like, oh, that sucked. Uh, yeah, at the, at the end of the day, like, I have that foundation I'm standing on that, like, look, guys, this, like, it, this is what it is. It's I, interesting. I say what I think is right and then can't sleep. Sure. Mm. Yeah. That, that is a very regular, very common occurrence. In fact, I've just started dealing with my own like anxiety issues and I'm pretty sure that is at the root of my anxiety issues. Mm. Is I, I feel caught between what is true and real and what is expected of me in order mm. to you know, maintain my position or my career or my title or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's frustrating and difficult, especially because I feel like in a, in a, in a fair airing of the facts, I can win the argument. I don't feel like anybody can actually argue with me on any like consistent logical grounds. Sure. Um, I, and I haven't, been convinced otherwise and yet it's like yeah but that doesn't matter Mm. that doesn't matter because some people have power and some people don't and the people who have power if they don't run their lives by consistence or logic or like fair arguments then you're just fucked and that's the way it is and that shit keeps me up at night Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the the fact of that keeps me up at night. Mm. I will say on kind of a wrapping up note, just because I think it's interesting hearing you guys talk about like how inverse you are of each other. Chris, if you are a one, because again, I'm not pinning that on you. Ones and fives. I'll take it. I mean, you know. Yes. <laughs> ones and fives. For tonight. Ten, I've been everything else. Yeah. Why not one? Ones and fives tend to have, like, they tend to be one of the stronger connections Enneagram-wise, both in marriage and in friendship, because they are so inverse of each other. Because it's kind of that, like, dynamic that you guys were talking about. They tend to be able to rely on each other more. Which is interesting, because Francisca's a five. Yeah, Francisca's and a five. And you would say that Matt's one of your most trusted yeah, people Matt's, on leadership. Matt, Matt is the guy I call when I think I done fucked up and I'm like, uh, hey, I need what's I need a perspective here. Mm-hmm. But like, I would say that both of them come to you with those on the opposite end of those things too, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know about Francisca. I'm speaking for you, but yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to discern because as the like as a pastor, everyone comes to the pastor at some point. Um, sure. I'm less aware of it. I, I'm more aware of my own like vulnerability and fragility. I'm more aware of the moments where I feel like I don't have right the answer or what's expected or or the right way, and I need help. And like, you're definitely one of the guys that I, you, John Legg is obviously one. Sure. My, my best man, John Wright is one. Uh, Francisca obviously is one. Like Francisca is the first one that I go to whenever mm -hmm. I'm feeling that way. Um, yeah, like, and then, and then within the church, you know, there are a mm -hmm. couple of other people I check, but you're the one that I, that I check in with. Sure. Uh, well, thank you. Because I know, I know that if I talk to Courtney, and this is what I love about Courtney, if I talk to Courtney, Courtney will be on my side and support me. Oh, 100%. Like, that's, that's what she will do. Fundamentally who I am as a person. <laughs> and so I know yeah. that, and, I'm, and I, if that's what I'm looking for, then sure. But when I really, really need, like, no, I need to check in did I fuck up here? Where do I go? How do I handle this? It's like I, my DS, my, my literally mm -hmm. my supervisor, my wife, uh, my compatriots and mm -hmm. from like long friendship over the years and years and years and you as, and especially you here, cause you're the only one who's in the thick who of it can here. do that and is here, sure. you know, like Francisca, you know, she's not exactly churchy. Sure. <laughs> like, she, sure. like she participates and she's willing to be a part of things, but uh, sure. Yeah, she's not exactly doesn't exactly have her finger on the pulse of Christianity. Sure. <laughs> well, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, I appreciate. It. But absolutely. Yeah. What are we at time? So shall we? Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're right at about time. All right. I am gonna use my cheers time. Um, I guess technically a cheers, but I would like to use it to reiterate that if you are looking at the Enneagram from a personality lens, a personality only lens, you are going to find that you might look like or fit into more than one type. So if you're stuck and you're in a place of, I don't know where I fit in, I don't know what my type is, I would really, really, really challenge you to look at the core fears to look at subtypes or to maybe look at coming on the podcast or talking to an Enneagram uh, certified coach about it. Because, Email us. Yeah. KindredUMC at gmail.com. Yeah, because as we've learned We're, from seriously. your journey, but also specifically from Chris's journey. O open to any guest. Like there's no, it's not like a special thing. Right. Open to any guest. Mm -hmm. Right. But as we've learned from Matt's journey, but especially Chris's journey, it can get very muddy and very confusing. So I would say don't just look at the motivation or the what gets you up at night or the what motivates you to do something. I would really challenge you, be honest with yourself about what your fear is because you'll find a lot of answers there, I think. You want me to go or you want to go? I was waiting for your rebuttal. Um, <laughs> that felt like a... No, you don't get to rebut uh, cheerses. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Makes uh, me feel good. Um, 
I mean, unless somebody says some like racist bullshit or oh, something. Sure. Like, yeah. You'd have to say some pretty nasty shit for me to rebut a cheers. <laughs> um, I would say, uh, just as part of my part of my own journey, listen to yourself, and be aware of where you are, so that you can then decide where you need to make space for yourself, mm. um, and know that unless you have a tendency to make too much space for yourself. <laughs> if you're somebody like me, make all the space for yourself you need because you're likely still underdoing it. Like, like most people aren't selfish, make space for yourself. Yeah. If you are selfish, make space for other people. Make space for other people. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. Um, I am going to say cheers to rock and roll guitar and Rick Springfield and Jesse's Girl, I had so much fun playing guitar this week. Like actual distorted rock and roll guitar with a full drum set. Uh, which is a cheeky way of saying my cheers to want what you want, like what you like, enjoy what you enjoy, and like be, to thine own self be true is really what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah. Like really, really, truly like what you like. Cheers. Cheers. Sounds great, I'm cheersing with my knuckles. Oh my god. Oh, gross. Good night, everybody. <laughs>